The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. We are at Acts chapter 15 and finishing up this chapter, jumping into the rest. So Acts 15 and verse number 36, the Bible says this, And some days after Paul, or after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take uh, with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp. How many of you understand that that's a that's a kind of an ominous statement right there, right? All right. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Then came to Ahida Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, or Timothy, and the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish, and believed. But his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium, him would Paul have go with him, and took, uh, took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered the decrees, the decision uh, for to keep, that was ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. That references back to last week's message. And so were the churches established in the faith, Let's read that last phrase together, and increased in number daily. Father, thank you for your word today. We thank you for ministering to our hearts. We give you this time to speak to us through your word. We ask that our hearts would be quiet before you, and we pray that you would edify us, show us your love, show us direction, but edify us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ today, we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. God's done some really amazing things in the early church. It's not been going very long. Uh, it's not even as old as the Grace Baptist Church at this point. Uh, it's relatively young. There's been some problems that have crept in from time to time. Acts chapter 6, uh, there's murmuring among the Grecian widows that there, there wasn't fair treatment between the widows, so they established the, on the office of the deacon. Uh, Acts chapter number uh, 15, we have a problem here, and there's, a, there's some false teaching uh, from the church at Antioch that ran up to, the, uh, from the church of Jerusalem that ran up to the, uh, the church of Antioch, and there's some problems, there's some schisms in the body, and so the church again deals with this, with the truth of God's word, as well as with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they went through the problem, they didn't go around the problem, they didn't run from the problem, they went through the problem with God's truth and with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they went through the problem. We find the church continues to be established there at the end of uh, uh, chapter. 
chapter number 15, we find that Paul and Barnabas and Silas are there in Antioch, and the church is just growing in the Lord. The word of God is going forth, and uh, it's, it's quite a great blessing that's going on. And we get to a point where, where there's a little bit of a break in the action there at Antioch because God begins to burden the heart of the Apostle Paul with a specific next step. Uh, if you understand uh, what I'm talking about, the, the Holy Spirit will begin to prompt in a person's heart. He'll, he'll begin to move in a person's heart, and he'll begin to show the next step, the specific will of God. And we understand the general will of God is for us to be holy in this day. We understand the general will of God is for us all as his, uh, as his believers to be witnesses in this world. But Paul was beginning to get a burden for the specific will of God, his specific next step in of being a a, a messenger of the gospel. And so Paul shares this burden with Barnabas. And he thought that Barnabas would be right on board, and really Barnabas was. But Barnabas had a little bit different view of how this all would shape out. But I want you to just understand, Paul's great burden was to go up to the, chur- um, to the churches that he had seen planted on his last missionary tour and go up there and help them to be established in the faith, to see how they were doing. In essence, as is the title of our message this morning, he wanted to follow up on these new believers. He wanted to just go and see how they were doing. And I want us to realize as we think about this, the whole message today is really couched in this because this is the direction that the Holy Spirit gives us in this narrative, is all around this idea of following up on the new believers and how God works through that in the life of a church. It's really through follow-up that the Great Commission is completely fulfilled. Without follow-up, it's kind of a drop and run. Make a decision and go. Hear someone pray a prayer, believe in the heart, and then go on. Without the follow-up, uh, it's really kind of leaving people in the dust, leaving people to the, to the uh, onslaught of Satan, the pressure of the world, and so on. So it is through follow-up that, that the Great Commission is completely fulfilled and Christ builds his church. Now, Christ is the builder of his church. Do you believe that this morning? Are you? Am I? No, he is. We're partners in that mission. We're partners in that mission. Do you realize that just as much as you can't add one inch to your stature or put more hair on your head, neither can you, by your own power, your own wit, your own smarts, add one person to a church. We got our attention in the wrong places, folks. And it's leading churches to do things that they ought not do. We have to remember who is the builder of the church. And it comes as, you remember last week how James submitted himself to the will of the Lord? It comes as we are submitted to the will of the Lord and we simply take his word and say, hey, hey, do you know that this is what God says? And, and this is what God says. Can I encourage you, brother, with this? And so Jesus is the builder of the church. Now we get to sacrifice as he sacrificed for the church. We get to sacrifice with him in that. We get to share in his suffering together. And through our suffering with him, through our self-abandonment with him, we get to be a part of this great and mighty effort. We get to be on the team with the builder of the church. Isn't that great, folks? And so we just understand that it's through the follow-up as God begins to burden Paul's heart. Okay, go up there and check on those people in Lystra. Help them out. Share my word with them. Help them along. Answer some questions. Be the representation of Christ to them 
on earth, be the mouthpiece for Christ, be the messenger, be the preacher, help them along. And so it's through that follow-up that we see that. And so I want you to notice Paul's desire for the follow-up on these new believers. Notice in verse number 36, out of the blue, he's working along. He is teaching and he's continuing to help the people there in Antioch. And it's all of a sudden, the author of scripture, the Holy Spirit, through the penman Luke, writes down for us, and some days after, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren. And so some days are transpiring. They're gathering together like we have. They're singing together. They're praising God together. And all of a sudden, this burden just lands on the, uh, on the Apostle Paul. Now, I just ask you, and I want you to think about this, where does this burden come from? Did Satan originate this? Does he want people confirmed in the faith? Does he want a church that prides itself on salvation decisions but never does anything with, with the converts? There was a whole section, and I didn't live through it, so I, I, I can't say this from experience. I say this from the, the words of other people, but there's a time in the not-distant past where churches like ours were very focused on gospel message, gospel message, gospel message, and not discipleship. There has to be both. Do you agree with me this morning? There has to be both. And so this burden is from the Holy Spirit. God is the one that is working and leading them along. His, his work in our life is often experienced through a lingering thought. I just can't get away from that. Uh, this seems like this is, this is what God wants me to do. It's always confirmed through the Word of God. It's never in contradiction to the Word of God. Don't say you're led of the Holy Spirit if it's in contradiction to the Word of God. That's another spirit leading you. And it's often in agreement with those that are yielded to the Holy Spirit as well. That's why the church is so important, the church body together. Did you notice what, what happened last week? The church agreed with the Holy Spirit and then sent the letter. Right? They're together. So this is going to be Paul's second missionary tour. Uh, he is going to start out in this, and we'll, we'll plot this on the map as we go along. Show us, guys. Uh, this is a second missionary tour. Show us the next screen. Uh, uh, this map, as we, as we go along, I must not have put that in there. It's there somewhere. They'll find it. Um, but this is the second one. It's about two years after the previous one, and he's going to go up through these different cities. Now, as we think about this, this is 16 years after the church has started there in Jerusalem. 16 years after Pentecost. So the church is, is still pretty fresh. Uh, they're not in all sorts of ruts. They're still pretty fresh, and God is working. And just think about that. From, from below Phoenicia there, down in Jerusalem, the church is spread all the way up by this time into Asia Minor, up to Lystra, and Pisidia, uh, up to Antioch and Pisidia and Lystra, and, and it's spread all the way up there. It's gone to Cyprus. It's spread all the way up there. But Paul, in this second missionary journey, is going to take it across the sea there, uh, uh, continuing uh, beyond Antioch and Pisidia. He's going to get it all the way over to Corinth. It's going to be a wonderful thing, this second missionary journey. It's full of all sorts of adventure. We get to go on this adventure together. So I just want us to know, about 80, uh, 49, 16 years after the church began at Jerusalem, and Paul is getting this burden to go on. Now, I want us to understand about this follow-up that he has on his heart. It is the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. We go back to the Great Commission, which is our theme verse as a church. It is our church verse, and it ought to be every church's verse. 
Why? Because that's why we're here. The Great Commission, that we are to go into all the world and teach the gospel, teach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. So we are to take that, preach the gospel, instruct them in the gospel, and then teach them to observe all things, to practice all things that God commanded. Now, there's a lot of churches today, and we can fall into this mindset that, that God is all just about, you know, kind of the, the, the high theology, right? And it never gets practical. Jesus told us that it wasn't supposed to be that way. He actually told us, your job with the Great Commission is not completely fulfilled until you've seen them saved, baptized, and helped them understand how to practice the Christian life. The Christian life is practical. Do not chafe when, when preaching gets to the practical. Do not, do not rub against that. The Christian life is intensely practical. And I hear people say, well, let the Holy Spirit do all the applying. The Holy Spirit does the applying, but sometimes the Holy Spirit through a messenger applies something. And we ought to say, thank God for making that practical for me. If you can't walk out of here this morning and do something with the message, you've wasted your time and I've wasted your time. But that's not the case. The Holy Spirit doesn't want us to um, be able to walk out of here and do nothing with the message today. He wants us to be able to practice something this week. Is your heart right now, fill my cup, Lord. I want to be able to practice something this week from this, whether it's in my heart or whether it's in someone else's life. I want to practice it. And so the follow-up is the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that told us to do this. And this idea of visit that Paul says, I want to go visit the brethren. Notice the brethren, the believers, not going on a pleasure cruise here. I'm going to visit the brethren. He says, I want to visit them. I want to check on them. I want to determine their condition. It's like the doctor making the rounds. I want to check in and see. Now, some doctors run in, run back out after one question, and get paid $500 for that 30 seconds in your, in your room. We're not talking about that. We're not all professional doctors here that get to, you know, jump into someone's life, ask a 30-second question, oh, you're good? All right, see you later. No, this is a visit to see the condition. Who have you visited to see their condition? That's the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to take some time with you. I'm going to ask some questions. I'm going to probe. Not because I'm nosy, because I care about you. I'm going to consider you so that I can provoke you into love and good works. This was Paul and Barnabas having a heart to go help them practice all things that the Jesus Christ had commanded. But notice, follow-up is the work of every witness, Paul and Barnabas. Let's go. Let's go. Paul and Barnabas had preached the gospel. They communicated it. They had seen the churches started. They set up elders, pastors in every city, and they needed to go help those and make sure that they were continuing in the word of God. So they were going to go to all those churches. I think about that. I think about the importance of not just preaching the gospel, but following up. Even as we think about the Grenada Bible Project, I want us to understand this. Uh, this is very important to understand that we're not just going to drop Bibles on an island. They're going to make sure that the people that receive those Bibles know where the gospel preaching churches are so they can go attend them and be instructed every, there's 16 pages, uh, extra pages in that Bible. There's going to be Bible doctrines in that Bible. There's going to be helpful resources in that Bible, but there's going to be a direction, a, a directional page that helps them to get to a website where they can find 
on the, the Baptist churches across the island, the independent Baptist churches across the island, and help them get into a church where they can be taught the Word of God and encouraged in that way. And so we're, we're not just dropping running. There are whole crusades that have gone to different nations and preach. You know what? There's something called save face, especially in, in nations across the seas where they want to please the Americans. So a, an American evangelist comes through and they preach a gospel message and the whole congregation comes forward to accept to impress the American. Now there's some legitimate gospel messages that are preached in that context and you know what? You can go back and back and back to the same place and they'll keep receiving the Lord over and over again and if there's not a structure to help, to help make sure that they are being grounded in the word, those people will just be, um, be left very infantile in their, in their Christianity. In fact, one of the burdens of the, the pastors down there is that the pastors will do the preaching. The national pastors will do the preaching so that, 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 we can, uh, that they, the connection is there and they can, uh, they can um, be connected with them so they can help them to grow in the Lord. So as you, as you think about this, uh, they weren't just trying to, to drop and run uh, they were going there to work uh, and do the work of every witness and follow up his work. Friends, I'll be really honest with you. I think sometimes as, as believers, we get discouraged, wrongfully so, about new believers not walking after the Lord consistently. Um, think about that. Think about some of the believers that you've seen saved through the ministry here. God saves people here. And it's pretty awesome to see what God's, God's doing. But every once in a while, I hear, uh, hear you know, maybe it's, 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 a, it's a member who's connected with them, and oh, I don't know what's happened to them. You know, they just, they, you know, they just, uh, they aren't responding. They aren't, you know, do you know something, friends? You can get discouraged about following up with new believers who act like, infant believers. I, I've alluded to this, but over the past week, we've just had our two youngest at home, and they act like a two-year-old and a four-year-old. They don't, they don't get up and say, may I vacuum the floor? Uh, the couch cushions, you know, don't stay in place long, right? Uh, I came around the corner yesterday and Sierra is leading her little sister to jump from the coffee table onto the couch. I looked at her, and she sits down, just like that. And I said, I said uh, should you be doing that? No. Why were you doing that? Because I wanted to. Why didn't you assemble with the saints today, new believer? Because I didn't want to. Why did you go to that party? Because I wanted to. You know, there's some new believers that are connected to this church that need some follow-up. They don't need us getting discouraged about where they are in their, their spiritual journey. They just need a believer to come and visit them. Be a friend. Come alongside. This world's a wicked taskmaster, and you know what? Satan doesn't like giving up his own. You can mark it down about the time a person gets saved. I have seen this over and over and over again. The moment they make a decision for Christ, typically here's what happens. A new job opportunity they've been hoping for for a very long time comes along. 
the sports opening just that they've been hoping for for their child comes along at that time and swoops them out of the way. I've seen it time and time and time again. And then here's what sometimes we do as believers. We don't want to visit them because they're not, they're not coming to church. If, if they're not going to value church and value the gathering, then I'm not going to value them. No, 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 no. The work of follow-up is work. Oh, it is work. It's many texts, many prayers. It's, it's much thinking. It's, it's, it's being creative in um, following up after. And they wanted to do that. It is the work of every witness. Do you see those that are connected with our church, but those that God has used you to bring to the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal responsibility to go and visit and visit and check up on, not to be nosy, not to push them, but to be in their life and help them along. Yeah. Follow-up is the work of strengthening because in verse number 41, if we jump ahead for a moment, as Paul went through Syria and Cilicia, they confirmed the churches. That's the idea to strengthen, uh, to bring uh, firmness to their lives, to bring stability to their lives. A baby Christian doesn't have that on their own. The Holy Spirit can give it to them, but he uses you and I to follow up on them to help them along in that way. And so I ask you, what, what Christian... What Christian can you visit this week? Here's a practical thing that we can all take away from here today. What Christian, what new believer, what middle-aged believer, who can you visit this week to see their condition? Now, in that visit, can I encourage you in this way? Don't go there and say, well, we talked about sports the whole time, so it was a good visit. We talked about COVID the whole time, so it was an, aw- it was an awful visit. You know? you know what I'm saying? Don't go there just to shoot the breeze. Turn that conversation to the things of God. Pray with them before you leave. Well, that's awkward for me. You know what? Friends, just talk to God in front of them before you leave. Ask God, what can I pray for you about? Ask God to meet that need in their heart encourage them in the Lord. And so visit them. Check up to see how they are doing. You know what? I have a feeling that there are many hearts across this room right now that have a person on your heart, on your heart right now, and you need to follow through with that this week. Can you imagine how the church would be edified this week if we'd all do that? If we just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in that way. Let's do that, church. But you know what? Good and godly desires, that desire right now that God's putting in your heart, could be like this one was hindered by Satan getting in the mix. By our own pride getting in the mix. You notice there's a division that arises at the moment that God puts his burden on their heart. There's a division that arises in the team. Of all places in the team. The last place you would think that the, the, uh, that the author of the Bible, the Holy Spirit, would write down for us that there was a division between Barnabas and and Paul. Now, Barnabas was as lovable and, and helpful. In fact, he had helped Paul along. He was the, the reason for Paul's placement at this point. God had used him in his life to do exactly that, follow up and follow up and follow up on him. But now we have a division that rises there, and we read those words that there was a contention that, that sprang up between them. There was a, a sharp contention. Now, Jesus reminded us that it is impossible, but that offenses will come. Do you believe that this morning? I don't want to just see heads. I want to see hands. Do you believe that this morning? Do you, 
You know why that's important for you to realize? Because we get so thrown off by offenses. Do you know the littlest things offend us? They didn't call me. They didn't, they didn't thank me. They didn't allow me out of the parking lot first. They sat in my seat. Like there's a sign seating. That guest, didn't they get the cue card ahead of time that that is my seat? The craziest little things offend us. They looked at me with a sour face. Maybe they have a stomach ache. It's possible. The littlest things offend us. But here in the middle of this team, this team that had been blazing for God, there was a contention that arose. Verse 37. Barnabas determined to take with him John, Mark. Now notice, Barnabas made this decision and it was a firm decision. He decided, he determined something. And the idea of this, this word determined is that he made this, this was a decision he made. It does not have the idea that he came in conference with Paul and said, hey, Paul, I was thinking about something. You know, I know John Mark left us, but I really think that we ought to give him a second chance. That's not the idea here. The idea is that Barnabas made this decision. Now, was Barnabas free to make this decision? At one point, it was Barnabas and Saul, not Paul and Barnabas, right? Was he free to make this decision? Yeah, he was. But it seems like it was pretty one-sided rather than the team. Paul had settled, had a settled opinion, a standing opinion, according to the, the, on the words thought not good, that John Mark was going nowhere near their team. He was settled in this. That's the idea of that word. He was not willing to hear it. He was not willing to consider it. And here we have a contention. One man says, we are doing this. And the other man says, no, we are not. Yeah, oops is really right. This is uncomfortable. But you know what? The Bible tells us, the Bible tells us how contention comes. Now, this is, this is, this is hard because we, we put these people on pedestals. We think they're perfect, Right? But the Bible tells us how contention comes. Do you remember? Only by pride cometh contention. Ew. How many of you have had contention before somewhere in your life? Yeah. What did we all just admit? Yeah, we struggle with pride. Now, I know one thing, Satan's a divider. He uses silly things in our lives. You know, we can be tired. We can be tired and be all out of sorts. And Satan uses that fatigue in our, in our lives to cause us to be out of whack with somebody else. And great contention can rise right out of that. You know why the Bible says only by pride comes contention? Because rather than saying, you know what, I'm sorry, I was arrogant. I was, I was prideful. I shouldn't have said that. I'm not blaming my tiredness, but I, I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's where I was, and I'm sorry. Rather than humbling ourselves and just getting past it and, and letting a, a small matter not get any bigger, we just stay on well. 
But they said, it's like, it's like my kids, who started this? Well, she bit me. Well, what did you do? Well, uh, she, hit, she hit me. And so it was right to bite. You know, it goes, you know how that goes. And we do the same thing as adults. Well, they looked at me nasty first. And so I said something to them. You ate prunes this morning? You know, whatever. Stupid things we do, right? Satan gets in the mix and divides us up so very much. But it's by pride comes contention. And so we have to ask ourselves, Lord, would you help me to walk humbly before you and with others today? If there's a contention raging right now, there's pride somewhere. There's pride somewhere. Now, God gives us the good, bad, and the ugly in in the Word of God. Aren't you thankful for that? Because it's not just all these ideals like, if you follow Jesus Christ, your life will be wonderful. It'll be smelling roses all the time. It'll be great. No, life isn't always that way. Life is messy. Christian life is messy. And so what we see, verse number 39, we see a separation of the team. The contention was so sharp between them, they departed asunder one from another. Read that with me. They departed asunder one from another. A little louder. They departed asunder one from another. I do not like those words. It, uh, it's difficult. The idea of that, that word departed asunder is that it kind of, it was that, that straw that broke the camel's back, and here we go. They just divided. They didn't talk anymore about it. They just, they departed asunder. They went on their ways. They were done. It's almost like this departing, this disassociation happened because the contention was there and it just divided them. It was like a wedge. There it is. And they're done. How would a, how would a relationship like that happen so quickly? Wouldn't two spiritual people try to, to work through that together? And I don't, I, I look at this, and it, my, I have a lot of questions about this, this particular passage, right? I, you're probably with me. I guess God will straighten us out in heaven. I'm, I'm assuming uh, that he'll help us understand. Because I, I, have, I have thoughts about this, and how is it that God seems to continue to use, and later on even Paul mentions Barnabas, in, not in a negative way at all. When he was in Corinth, he mentions him, and, and it's... It, it, Paul didn't go on living in light of this, it doesn't seem. It's just a very interesting passage. I do know one thing. There's nothing triumphant about this. Other than the fact that God in his own sovereignty and grace can work things together for good. But there's nothing triumphant about this. There's not, well, I separated from another brother. You know, there's some people that get in that mentality. You know, they're separation happy. They have notches on their belt for how many brothers and sisters in Christ they've separated from. I separated them because they fill in the blank. There's nothing triumphant about this. We're told to separate from the world. We're told to be unified with one another. Unity, as we learned last week, only comes by the person of the Holy Spirit. So who's at fault here? God doesn't say. No, interesting, God doesn't say. This is the last time Barnabas is mentioned in the book of Acts. And I'm not saying that because God said, well, I'm going to write him out of the the story. 
not saying that. He's mentioned other places throughout the epistles. Paul mentions him. Barnabas returns home to his island of Cyprus, where he's from. Seems like a natural thing to do. He goes there. They had been there on their journey, assuming that he went there to help confirm the churches. He takes John Mark with him. He still is ministering to him, and from the fruit of that, that, that move on his part, it seems that God uses Barnabas to continue to develop John Mark into the person that he needs to be. God does specifically say that, he, that the, the brethren recommended Paul and Silas by the grace of God. Paul later does ask in 2 Timothy, does ask for John Mark because he's, he's profitable for the ministry. So the, uh, there's, a, there's a realization on Paul's part that, uh, that the work of Barnabas in, his, in John Mark's life was, was beneficial. It had changed something. It had done good in his life. And so I do know this. Both of them are going to be in heaven. Singing praises around the, on the, the, the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's pretty amazing. And how God's going to unify us all back in heaven. You know, what's going to be interesting is, is seeing all the people that we uh, had struggles with here on earth, all the believers that we get to gather around the throne together in heaven, unified in one voice. Hmm. I'm going to leave it here. This is unsettling. God doesn't, God doesn't really bring this to a resolution. They went their separate ways. Did God still work through them? Yes. But they went their separate ways. We don't find Paul and Barnabas again. They went their separate ways. And all I can say is this, let us be careful. Let us be careful. You know, Jesus is praying for us today. The same prayer he prayed in the garden, his high priestly prayer, John 17. He prays there in John 17, verse 20, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which should believe on me through their word, through their witness. And here's what he prays. That they all may be one. Jesus is not saying that they all be one around every uh, strain of doctrine. Oneness comes through the Holy Spirit and through the word of God. But he's praying that they'd all be one that to be of one mind together, as Philippians talks about us, that we'd have the mind of Christ, which is a mind of humility. And so, though this happened, God continues to record the story as the church progresses forward. He continues to record how Paul, he leaves off Barnabas for whatever reason, we'll have to figure that out in heaven, we'll do, uh, do better by not uh, making a bunch of assumptions. We can't say that Barnabas was actually absolutely in the wrong, and we can't say that Paul was absolutely in the wrong. Were there some unsettling things there? Yes, and I don't know how to process all that because God doesn't give us the more information to process it on. We know there's a division. We need to be careful, but we need to, as Paul did, stay focused on the will of God. That is what God highlights going forward here. And as we move into chapter 16, actually uh, chapter 15, verse 41, we see... There's a moving on after the, the burden that God had placed on his heart. So he goes to Syria, and he goes to Cilicia. He goes to Derbe, and he goes to Lystra. And what does God do? 
He gives a divine appointment along the way. Listen, divine appointments are always found along the pathway of doing God's will. So divine appointments rarely happen when we're sitting back and uh, having a a casual approach to um, following Jesus Christ. They don't happen there. They happen as we are engaging in the will of God that he has already shown us. And so what happens with Paul? He's going along. He's in Syria. He's in Cilicia. He comes to to Derbe, and then he comes up to Lystra. Lo and behold, there's a disciple that was really serious about the Lord Jesus Christ. And his name was Timotheus. And so there in that city, as it um, brings out Acts 16, verse number 1, he came to Lystra there, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus. Timotheus, same as Timothy, he's referred to as Timothy within the letters of First and Second Timothy. This disciple was serious. Uh, he was following the principle of Scripture when it says that the grace of God teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live what soberly, 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 righteously and godly in this present world. He's serious. He was serious about following Christ. Verse number one. Did you notice he was called a certain disciple? The Holy Spirit puts that there for us. He was called a a disciple. What does the Holy Spirit define you as? That's a question we probably ought to ask ourselves once in a while. You know something, friends? We, we, get, we get thinking about levels and you know, people and positions and so, so much. God doesn't care about our positions. He really cares about who we are with Christ. And here's a guy who's just following Jesus Christ. He, he didn't have a position. I don't know. He, he may not even be out of his teenage years yet. He has a split home. It's not an ideal home. Dad's unsaved. Mom's a a believer. They've stayed together, and she's taught him the word of God, as we see in the the book of 1 and 2 Timothy. Paul had been in Lystra on his first missionary tour and got stoned in the streets. It really wasn't a pleasant city to go back to. I can imagine him walking over the place that he was stoned and thinking, well, that hurt. You know, that's that's, that's a painful memory. And so he's back there and he finds this certain disciple, this guy that over the past two years had continued to follow Jesus Christ, had listened to the, to the, the, the leading of the Holy Spirit, had been faithful to the church body there, continued with the pastor and the church family together. He's continuing on. You know what I, I see here? That some of the greatest spiritual triumphs, victories, are won through our greatest season of trial. In that city, Paul's stoned. And what comes out of that city? A man that would be the son in the faith to, um, to Paul, who Paul would mentor, become the pastor at Ephesus, and would do the bidding of, of, of Paul and serving the Lord and do the bidding of the Holy Spirit and, and working to help believers be, be shepherded in the faith. And so we have here a disciple that has been going along, and Paul discovers this as he walks into Lystra, Here's this certain disciple. What a great blessing. A disciple is a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Is that how the Holy Spirit is 
is titling you. Are you, a, are you a determined, committed follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Or do you just have a salvation testimony? Well, I got saved. I prayed that prayer. I'm going to heaven. Or are you a committed follower of Jesus Christ? That's what Timothy was. That's what we all need to be, a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus defines those that are disciples in John 8 and verse number 30. He spoke unto those, these words, many believed on him, then said Jesus to those which believed. All right, hear that, those which believe. He says, all right, I want you to listen to me. Imagine the master saying this to you and I. If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. He said to those that believed, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. You know, there is a difference between being a, a believer and being a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe this is where we need to practice this week. God, I've just, I've just, I've given you a lot of lip service. I've said the right thing, but I've not practiced following you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I have a show of godliness, but it's not on, on the inside. God help us. God help us. And for the people that say, you know, I, I don't go to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites there, or other believers who say, of the, uh, you know, there's a bunch of hypocrisy there. Friends, listen. We all have the potential of being hypocrites. And you know what? Probably within the last six months' time, every single one of us has been a hypocrite. We need to get our eyes off of one another, and we need to get real with God between us and God. Here's a man that was following the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit says so. Is that the description that's on your life? Do you continue in the word? So you're going to prove to Jesus Christ, you're going to prove his words this week if you will take his words that you've read in your devotional time, that you've heard in the messages today, and continue in it, then you're his disciple. If you take this book and practice it in your life, if you observe all things whatsoever he's commanded you, then you're his disciple. You cannot claim being a disciple if you're not continuing the word of God. You all with me this morning? Friends, this is not, this is not hateful preaching. This is the most loving thing I can say to you. We, we should not, cannot, we must not go through this Christian journey and this life wasting our time with putting on a show that I'm something that I am not on the inside. I need to be a disciple. You need to be a disciple. I need to be a disciple on the inside as much as you need to be a disciple. That's what the world needs. Here is a man that was noted by the Holy Spirit as being a disciple, one who was continuing in the word of God. He was serious also about being like Christ because we Notice in verse number two that he was well reported by the brethren that were in Lystra and Iconium. Do you know that these two cities were 25 miles apart? That's, that's great. You know, one side of Dayton to the other or whatever might be 25 miles or a little bit less or more. Do you know what? You, you talk about both cities, the brethren, the believers there are saying, hey, Paul, you got you to gotta meet this man, Timothy. 
Uh, this guy, from the moment he accepted Jesus Christ, he has been going just straight forward. He is on the path. He's following the Lord Jesus Christ. He's been such a blessing. Everywhere we look, he's always asking, hey, how can I help? And he's always reaching out to people. He is just, he is just full of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is upon him, and, and he's full of the Lord. He was well reported. And they, they looked at this situation, and it wasn't Timothy saying, hey, listen, I'm a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was not Timothy boasting of himself. Not at all. Timothy was well reported by the brethren. They didn't have to be coaxed to say this. They said it to Paul. Here's a man who is doing the right thing, who's following the Lord Jesus Christ. He's committed to the word of the Lord. He is a disciple indeed, and he's well reported of. What do people say about us? We like it when people say that he's generous. Oh, they're so thoughtful. She's so thoughtful. You know, sometimes it kind of boosts our pride. People can say about us, they can look on our life, well, that's a, that's a career man. Boy, he's just, he is all in on his career. Oh, what I know about him is who he roots for. What I know is his hobby or what she does. What do people say about us? Well, what they said about Timothy was, that guy's a disciple. We see Jesus in him. He's well reported of all around. Oswald Chambers said this, and I urge you to listen closely. It's left in your notes as well. The expression of Christian character is not good doing, but Christ-likeness. Say that again. The expression of Christian character is not good doing, generosity, kindness, being thoughtful, taking a meal, but Christ-likeness. Sometimes we define the, the temperature of our Christianity by our doing. And friends, God looks at who you are before him. He is not excusing the doing. The doing should flow out of our being. But if you're not Christ-like, if you're not walking with Christ, if you're not honoring his word, friends, all that you do is not a great uh, sacrifice to God. And so here it is, the expression of Christian character is not good doing but Christ-likeness. If the Spirit of God has transformed you within, you will exhibit divine characteristics in your life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, not human good characteristics. God did not come, Jesus did not save your soul to make you a better human. As Joel Steen says, to, to be the best you, that is hogwash. That is wrong. Christ saved you to transform you from the inside out. God's life in us expresses itself as God's life, not human life, trying to be godly. Maybe the problem that we struggle with kindness and forgiveness and bitterness and, and resentment and doing the right thing, saying no to sin and choosing God's way, maybe the problem is because we have tried to transform our human characteristics rather than let the Holy Spirit transform us from the inside out. Why? How? By the renewing of our mind. Romans 12 and verse number 2. So here we have a man who's well reported of, whose character was, he was a disciple. He was, he was living in a Christ-like way. And so the, these churches are saying, hey, Paul, you've got to meet this man. Not because of what he does, but because he's a disciple. He's a disciple. 
D.L. Moody said, if I will take care of my character, and my character being who I really am for God, if I will take care of my character, my reputation will take care of itself. Well, I got to appear as a, a Christian that never has a problem. Sit down with me at coffee. I'll share, share the problems. I got, I got struggles in my Christian life too. We get so focused on trying to put it all out there. You know, carry yourselves in the church, looking the part, acting the part, saying the part, doing good. We have this, this really great line that we need to break through, friends. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Good. What does that mean? How many of you all had a, had a good week? Okay, for some of you. How many of you say, I just had an awful week? Come on now. Do you realize, do you realize that that's reality? That is reality. We're not always doing good. We didn't always make the right choice. get so focused on our reputation as long as i'm seen as a christian as long as i'm seen as a you know someone that has it all in, uh, in shape listen we don't have it in shape we're messes we've come to a hospital this morning to open up the 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 instruction manual the diagnostic manual and try to figure out what went wrong this past week so we can correct it in the on the in the coming week and so that we can be more like jesus christ we didn't come here to pull and, and pull our pride together and say, listen, we, we're pretty good. Now, you know what? I believe there's someone here that said, I had a good week. You know what? I, I trust that that means that you were walking with the Lord, that you rejoiced in him, that God just, God bless you, you knew it, you, you, you stayed in the right frame of mind. You did the right thing, you continued in the word. Great, praise the Lord. That's not every week, is it? All right, there's sometimes we have to just be honest. No, I, I messed up. I slipped up. I didn't do the right thing. Take care of your character. Your reputation will take care of itself. Be true before the Lord. Think of what Spurgeon says, what a man is at home is what a man really is. How many guys would just admit that's convicting right there? Yeah, it convicts me every time I think about that. Key is be disciples. One last thought here. He was serious about the cause of Christ. Look in verses 3 through 5. He goes along. This committed follower of Jesus Christ was serious about the same thing Jesus was serious, the gospel. So he goes along with Paul in this, in this missionary journey. Jesus himself said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And that was the heart of Timothy. He goes along with them. He was willing to go with Paul to the work. Uh, there's something very interesting here I think that we all need to just take note of. We do well to notice that the early apostles not only worked in pairs, but also took younger brethren, Mark and Timothy, for training in practical aspects of Christian ministry. What a privilege it is for these young men to be yoked together with seasoned veterans in, on Christian missionary enterprise. So what was Paul doing? He was developing the next generation. We need to do that. We need to be willing to do that. We need to be willing to come alongside, be under. But listen, friends, we have all sorts of young people across uh, that are connected and in this congregation. 
that we need to be encouraging in the same way that the early church did, following up on them, helping them along, helping them to develop. And the development that Paul would put in Timothy's life would pay great dividends. Later on, Paul would say, I have no man who naturally cares for your affairs, except for Timothy. Pay great dividends. This was the practice of Jesus Christ. Mark 16, 20, he took the, his disciples along with them, working with them. Now, here's what's really interesting. If you'll do a study of Timotheus in the New Testament, the word Timotheus, it doesn't come up in books of First and Second Timothy. It comes up in the rest of the New Testament. He is mentioned 17 times. And I encourage you to do a little further study. But a good bulk of those times, he is simply following the bidding of the Apostle Paul. He's either being instructed by Paul, he's going, being dispatched, but here's what I want to get. Here's a man who was a disciple and was willing to go with Paul to the work. What do you need me to do? Go there? It's a long journey, but I'll go there. I'll pack my bags. Uh, care for their needs? I'll care for them. I'll care for them as if it was you, Paul. I'll treat them as a nurse, cherishes her children, care for them in a tender way, and I gave you the verses there in your handout so you can go back and do them a little bit more reading. He went with Paul to the work. That's what we need to be like. We need to go with to the work. And then he was willing to give up his rights. In verse number three, and Paul took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters. All right, they all knew that he had a Gentile, a Gentile dad. And so they're saying, listen, if he is going to be able to preach to the Jewish people in these different cities, he's going to need to be circumcised. That was a Jewish uh, custom. And really, I wrote down there again in your notes, it was simply a sign of the covenant that God made with Abraham. And it was a picture of what Jesus Christ would one day do at the cross and, and circumcising or taking away the sin of our hearts. So it was a, a physical act of physical surgery that, that had spiritual implications. Now, in the Jewish mind, the unsaved Jewish mind, this was key if they were going to even allow a person to speak to them, if they were going to accept them, accept their word. And so here's what's going on here. We already learned in the last message that circumcision was not necessary for salvation. That is actually uh, what we could call legalism. It's adding to Jesus Christ for salvation. It's heresy. It's wrong. Anything added to Jesus Christ for salvation is a heretical doctrine. All right, y'all believe that? Jesus Christ alone. Faith, by faith, through grace. Jesus Christ alone. And so he did not need to be circumcised. Why? For they knew his dad was a Gentile. And so here's what Paul says. Hey, listen, in order to get, to allow you to be maximum, uh, uh, effective in a maximum way, to not cause hindrance to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, hey, Timothy, I don't know how this conversation went down, but hey, Timothy, you're going to need to be circumcised. I know one thing, here's a young man that's going to have to say, I'm going to give up my right. I don't have to be. There was nothing doctrinally that said he had to be. I'm going to give up my right for the cause of Jesus Christ. That was personal sacrifice. Here's a young man that was not arrogant and prideful. Well, people should just accept me the way I am. No, no, no. He gave up his rights. I see written all over Timothy, the verses in Romans 12 and verse number 2, giving your life a living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God. So he continues on. 
He goes through that, continues on. He delivers this team. Verse number four and five, they went through the cities. They delivered the decrees, the decisions from Jerusalem, encouraging those people to be holy before the Lord, abstain from fornication, and to not eat uh, meat offered to idols, to not eat meat that was, uh, that was strangled, and to, uh, and to just continue on uh, in, in the Lord, continue in harmonious, holy living. And I just ask a question of this. Look at verse number five. And so were the churches established. As they followed up, so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. And again, as in multiple places in this passage of Scripture, I find it convicting. Did you read that? Let's read that out loud together. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Why? Why do we ask ourselves in our hearts, God, it's been a while since I've seen some of that. Let me ask you this. Could it be because we have a, a discipleship issue? We've gotten focused on the increasing the number daily rather than walking as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps this week we need to just get alone with the Lord, uh, the Lord and say, God, I'm afraid. The reason I don't have the fruit is because the root's not in the right place. I've not been walking as a disciple, one who follows you and obeys your word every step of the way. God, I want that to be the case. All this happened in the context of Paul saying, let's go visit. Let's go visit. You know what God led him to, a disciple? I'm sure sometimes he was a conviction to the Apostle Paul. But it's through this, this desire, I want to follow up, I want to visit, that this happened and um, that he found Timothy and was able to shepherd him along and continue this follow-up of, of these believers. And the church was established in the faith and increased in number daily. I want that. I want that. Because living things should grow. So it's through the work of follow-up that the Great Commission is completely fulfilled. It's through the work of follow-up that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ builds his church. Who is it that you need to visit this week? Who is it that you need to call, text, have coffee with, email, postcard, visit, bring flowers, bring a meal? Not because you have to to check it off some spiritual list, because you want to, because you're a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to be his rep representation here on earth. Who is it that you can pray with today before you leave? Say, I want to just pray for you. I know you're going through a time. I want to pray for you. I love it. I love it. Time and time again, we come to points where there's, there's trouble in the book of Acts. And we end on such a triumphant verse like verse number five. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. But it all started with Paul saying, I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit's lead to go visit. Visit. Who can you visit this week? Will you take this to heart? Let's be a church that follows up. Let's follow up on one another. Hey, I noticed you were having a hard time yesterday. Can we get some coffee together? Let's follow up on one another. Let's follow up on those that God's putting on your heart right now.
Would you bow with me in prayer? And we're going to commit those things to the Lord. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.